This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. It started with a game. This computer company is coming out with these amazing new games in a couple of months. And I want to play those games. Shall we play a game? Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. But it wasn't just any game. You have been told by Starlene to defend the frontier against Sewer and Okodan Armada. Taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself. Programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. How about mobile thermal nuclear war? Fine. All right. A world on the brink of destruction. The trajectory headings for multiple impact re-entry vehicles. How's that, man? I don't know, but it's great. All stations, this is Crystal Palace. I wonder if I should use my subs. 22 Typhoon-class submarines departing Petropavlos. What in the hell's happening here? Oh, my God. You were recruited by the Starling to defend... To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Get on the sack. Tell them to flush the bombers. Professor, Mr. David. Glad to be here. So I'm new. I, I got the new version of Skype, and I'm, I'm using Google Chrome. So all kinds of new things going on. Wow, aren't you just Technologically like, speaking for me. You know, techno boy. I'm, Living I'm in the cloud this, now, right? This Google Chrome. Yeah, after the apocalypse, you're really stepping out. <laughs> the cloud has you now. I'm, I'm pretty pleased here with the Google 2010, Chrome. 2010, the year we make contact. Yeah, exactly. How, how, how weird is it that we are, I mean, we've mentioned it before, but just rapidly we are passing up all the future movies. I, I had to watch uh, I had to watch that movie again, though, just because, uh, you know, they just got it see. so yeah, freaking wrong. <laughs> I wonder if that is, is that streaming. Yeah, we're not going to have swimming pools with dolphins in them? Oh my God, we're I, I'm gonna have to watch that. I, I wonder if I can stream it on Netflix. It was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is, but uh, not only did they just get the technology wrong, you know, where they where we're sending ships to Jupiter and all that kind of thing, but you know, also yeah. and we have yet to discover space babies. No space babies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Hmm. He, he's coming back to people right now, going, "Yeah, I really don't know." I don't know where. <laughs> Why I thought that was but, inevitable. But the whole geopolitical climate has changed to the point that it makes that movie obsolete, which is kind of Oh, yeah, completely irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny in the book, in the 2010 book, um, um, 
Arthur C. Clarke had it right. Uh, he had it to where the Americans and the Russians are on this uh, mission together, and they're and they're friends, you know, for the for the most part. And it's the Chinese who are the threat. They're in another ship. So it's funny you're saying Peter Hyams is the one who butchered it. Uh, probably in the you know in the studio, I'm sure had a, you know didn't think that the Chinese thing would probably relate at that point. Movies always try to be topical to the time they're in, where books don't necessarily try to do that. Yeah, and that's and that's where you know they're like, oh, people won't gravitate to that, so let's do like tense relations, and then we'll have like sort of an American Russian sort of alliance, and people will will understand it. You know, a begrudging project between the mm-hmm. two of them. Well, Where they go looking for space babies. <laughs> the Leonov, which is the Russian ship, was is designed was designed by Sid Mead, who is a uh, uh, you know well known um, you know artist who uh, does futuristic type stuff. He did a lot of stuff for Blade Runner and that type of thing. So he's really into that kind of industrial high tech look, and which I so think how- they figured that you know really worked for the Russians because you know the Russians are not really about aesthetics at all kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. How does that hold up to the the Peter Stormare spaceship in Armageddon? The, remember when they get, do you don't even remember where they go to the Russian ship like space station to refuel oh, and blow yeah. it up for no reason at all? <laughs> They're like these guys are hardly a rabbit's foot. Everything it's a good thing that we're sending them on on a lighter note to blow up that asteroid because that's exactly what they seem to seem have. Seem to be good at blowing stuff up. Just as soon as they get up off a chair, it explodes. It's like watching Monty Python. Well, you gotta you have to appreciate the the, the Michael Bay style. <laughs> and I can't. The, I tell you, my, Michael Bay. Is I think just, he yeah. is sort of like the real life version of the guys from Armageddon. It's like everywhere he goes, things just blow up. He's like, you know, what, make this better. Just boom, 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 boom. He's like, Nyarla you think Michael Bay like happen. runs down like when he goes to like studio meetings, he runs down the hallway. Like just wherever, like from one meeting to the next, he's like running, just like breakneck from one one meeting to the next. He's got a pocket full of snap and pops. You know what would be awesome in this movie? Kaboom! <laughs> just while the smoke is settling on people's deaths, like right. That's when he like. Right? That's when he stands up and like throws his hair back in slow motion. <laughs> exactly. You're welcome. Tonight we're talking about. I think. Uh, what you wanted to talk about, David, was was gaming, but maybe how gaming has evolved into video gaming, and and how that's reflected in the pop culture, and that sort of an evolution of gaming. Really, it sounded like what we were talking about. Yeah, we could talk about that. We could talk about what the future of video gaming might hold. Um, but uh, oh, so I don't need my dice then. Huh? Well, to me, it's interesting how video games are an extension. Even though there were video games back in the days of D and D, the role play aspect of it didn't exist. Like uh, not too long ago, for my birthday, actually, just a couple months ago, uh, a friend of mine, Tracy, bought me the the, the Atari flashback. Are you? Oh yeah, it's got like every conceivable Atari game in one. In not one every controller. one, but it's got like forty five games. But it is pretty okay. awesome. It doesn't hold your attention as long as you think it would, because you're like, these are awesome. Like, blip, 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 blip. What's, what what's, am I? What's, what's the little blob doing? It's your blob that's moving against another <laughs> that's blob. It's causing we're another blob adventure. To that's exactly. What is that coming? Coming? What is that? That is square? that a duck? That's me. What's the thing moving towards the square? That's the dragon. What is that <laughs> thing under the square? That's the sword. 
Like, you use your imagination more. It was Playing mostly adventure. your imagination. You actually had awesome. to look at the box, the co- box cover art, to figure out what it was you were supposed to be playing. Yeah. And a lot of it was kind of, you just sort of went, okay, I'm, that's supposed to be a dragon. That's supposed to oh, be me. Oh, so I poked that thing with that thing. The, yeah, like, that's yes. a key, I guess. Well, uh, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're obviously talking about the, the like, it, well, they called it adventure. That game the one that from started a, all the very first yeah. adventure game, which was uh, was called which, adventure. Where the by sword Atari. was actually just an arrow, like a like a computer generated arrow. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and you could actually end up inside one of the ducks or dragons. Yeah. I guess you would call yeah. it duck dragons. Did you yeah. did you ever like get eaten by the dragon while you had the sword and kill the dragon from inside the? from inside his stomach yeah oh yeah. or or get eaten by a live dragon and have the bat pick up the dragon and fly up away with you in the dragon yeah and it just scroll <laughs> and, and you're like this is, this is awesome i i remember up. yeah i remember distinctly the first time i played not knowing what i was supposed to do and it was like it was me my brother and a couple friends of ours and we we're just going I don't know. Why didn't you try this? I don't know what you try. And we're like, you know, we're like 10, 11, trying to figure out this game. And, you know, you think you look at it now and go, well, it's obvious. But when you when you were doing it then, it really took a while to figure it out because there had been nothing like it before. <laughs> yeah, there was not a role. There's not a quest game of any sort. No. Like they were all just like single screen kind of just shooting at things and stuff. But that. Yeah, it was the first game that had screens that actually went somewhere you you it was a continuation whereas most of them were like you took donkey kong or asteroids or uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah that space monkey's invaders. throwing barrels at you you need to jump over the barrels would that be a first example <laughs> of what would be called a side scroller game i uh, guess so it'd be it, yeah, one of the it, early examples it, it scrolled to the side and it also scrolled up mm-hmm. um it was like 360 you go up down side to side that was fairly sophisticated yeah. It's laughable now. I, when we were up in, in my parents' attic, I actually did find the adventure instruction book. <laughs> it's like an open-up sort of brochure. It's mostly full of pictures to let you... It's like a legend. It's like, that's a bat. Like, oh, good. Oh, okay. Because I would have never really known had you not told me. Yeah, they were there to fill you in on what the proposed backstory of the game was supposed to be. Less than, you know, that was more the point than to actually tell you how to play the game. <laughs> Like this is the chalice. You need to get the chalice in the gold castle, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Although the flashback has Adventure Two, which I don't even think was released. I think it was like a game they made that never came out. And Adventure Two is a lot more complex. I was playing that, going, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And it's more of the same. It's just that they're they're more elaborate, like these little mazes that you go through. And I'm always getting stuck places because the bat's always stealing every everything that I have. Like, you have to have the bridge to get to a thing, and then you get the thing, and it steals the bridge, and you're like, this is just, you know, it's like a test of patience. It's like, it's not a test of skill, it's just like me sitting here waiting for that bat to come back. Oh, wait, I do, there was a bridge in uh, an adventure game. Were you In the first one, there's yeah. a bridge in yeah. the first yeah. one. <laughs> okay. But well, it's is... not as necessary to the boards. Oh. <laughs> See, when we first bought this thing, we came back, and I was like, we're going to try this, it's going to be fun, and all that stuff. And then... And then we were sitting there, and my cousin was trying to remember how you go to the thing to get in the secret room to steal the dot. 
did you ever do this? <laughs> okay. It's, and if it's you take kind the of dot, vaguely it's like familiar. the first Easter egg yeah. ever, where if you get the dot, and if you take it to where the black line separates you from, I guess, the edge of the universe, you can't go past that black line. Then you got to bring, like, all the keys and all the stuff and a dragon, and, and if you get it all in the same room, put that dot on the other side of the black line, the name of the guy who designed the game will appear. Oh, God. Oh, I remember that. Yes. It was a yes. huge amount of work. And we that. sat there for two hours watching my cousin collect every piece of crap in this game. And now, it didn't work. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder if that code somehow is not part of what they put on like, on this, this flashback. But the dot was there. Yeah, I would first. think it would work. I would think, because I remember, uh, we I remember doing it. And I, I, what I don't remember is how we knew... Um, I want. I want to say the with, internet. How did people know to do stupid stuff yeah, like that? I, I, like, don't, it must, I don't think I, I ever must have been a special that, article in Dynamite magazine. <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> how did they know? Okay. Yeah. I re- <laughs> thanks. Now I. Wow. Now I'm. Is that like the official I, game? I just set the Wayback Machine. Wow. Uh, you okay. don't remember Dynamite? I'm coming that back. That was like the original Entertainment Weekly. That was like for those like. Seventeen magazine for twelve-year-old yeah, it was scholastic nerdy boys. I don't remember uh, reading Dynamite. I mean, I read you know Starlog. Oh yeah, they always had like Knight Rider or Scott Bale on the cover. <laughs> it was just like a little kids pop culture magazine. <laughs> yeah, classy. Can't say as I've read yeah. that one. Good stuff. When you need to know the skinny on square pegs, check it out in Dynamite magazine. Yeah. A, a lot of that, the... Sue, I'm the only one that got that joke. I remember Square Pegs. <laughs> yeah, but it killed, it killed Devo's career. Do <laughs> you remember when Devo was on there the one time? Sad. Very sad. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker. Before she was Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was one of the Square Pegs. I did not remember She was the that. Square Peg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She was the, uh, she was the lead. She had braces. I remember. <laughs> Didn't remember that. <laughs> wow. And Devo was Devo played at their school of uh, uh, dance. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I like Square Pegs was the the other Degrassi, you know. To me, video games, the, like the video game consoles, are an interesting thing because they they sort of disappeared for a while. Well, um, yeah. You, you, you first well, you until had... Nintendo. I mean, you had Atari and a television at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Coleco was like the, I guess they were the Atari, but the other kind of Atari or whatever. The Sears <laughs> the brand. Other... The Sears brand. I yeah, don't there know. was, mm-hmm. well, Sears called it Sears, uh, Sears Video Game System or something like that. It was basically an Atari. They just yeah, slapped just the, had the Sears label name on it. on it. And in fact, they did the same thing with Intellivision, I think. They called it Sears Vision. Yeah, it was probably just it was some kind of deal they did. They wanted Sears. Sears on everything, I guess. When they... we, our first name for that was Insertion. That did not work. <laughs> that was a terrible thing. We took a bath on that one. Um, yeah, it in fact, sell, uh, I remember now, I go back maybe a little farther than you guys. I remember when uh, I was in Sears and I saw the first Pong game system pong yeah whether you could buy we uh, my family got the pong system and it had a hundred games of pong (laughs) so if you can imagine how exciting it would be to play pong in a hundred different variations of pong i remember that like if you could like you press this little toggle switch to change the number right you really didn't right 
And the uh, speed, I think it would change the speed too. It was all like it was all like like basically mechanical switches that would do it. It was very state of the art for 1977. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's because when I remember when Atari came out, that was a revolution. Oh it's yeah, it's so funny it was trying huge. to play those games now and be like, wow, because you can't. Some of those games on the the flashback, I don't remember, and they don't make any sense. Like I can't even figure out what you're supposed to do. Like there there's was one lo- called Lunar Lander or something where you're supposed to land the the lunar thing, but I have not found any combination of things you can do that don't that don't just make it crash. <laughs> well, I don't even the, know how you're supposed to win. One of the problems with um, with Atari the Atari system was that originally it was just those guys at Atari making the games, and then they got Activision, who was a a really good uh, third part. In fact, I think they're like the first third-party publisher for 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 video games and a lot of their stuff was really great i mean i think pitfall right remember pitfall yeah mm-hmm. that's one of the classics yeah. uh they did i think pitfalls on the flash did they it's on is, the how about river raid because that's another one that oh I, yeah oh, I that, love that's river on there raid. that's that the one awesome. that's the best one on there man i loved river raid that, that that's, game holds you could get the flashback up. just for river raid yeah that game holds up i i played that a couple of years ago on uh, game tap online and Man, I, I was just like, this game is still awesome, and it's uh, it, you just you just get sucked into it, and it's the gameplay. the The graphics are meh, you know, but for the Atari, they're pretty good. But the gameplay is just it really is um, a pretty awesome system. Well, it was I mean, probably the first one of those first games that type of game, um, like the like where it scrolls up and you're fighting things, you know that. Um, that type of game held up in a lot of incarnations, you know, for a lot of years. So I think that's why River Raid was so well, cool. The, you it know, is the a, movement. The the pacing on that game, you know, is way better than what... Because you can't stop. You're always right. moving forward on that game, and it's just you're just blasting through obstacles. It seems like such a simple concept, but it's so easy to just crash into the wall. Yeah, yeah. you have to time things perfectly. It's a timing game, and uh, you have to shoot just right, and you're running out of fuel the whole time. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a, a great game. Um, As but opposed anyway. to like Yars Revenge is on there, and Yars Revenge is just like you're sitting there, and something builds up and tries to shoot at you. Isn't and it kind of like Breakout with a with a space thing? It's kind of I mean you're you're yeah, shooting at like a yeah. shield or something. I trying to remember. I remember the box you know art. I wish were cool. on there that I used to love. Is remember a game called Defender? Oh, oh yeah, where we were a like a spaceship, and that was another one where you're just shooting at side to side, you're just shooting down, just blasting the crap out of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great, and that was really good though in the arcade. If you ever got a chance to play it in the arcade, uh, it was the first game. It was the first uh, arcade console I remember that had more than two buttons. And you're just looking at it, going, "This is so awesome! This is so complicated!" Because you had like buttons over here, so, buttons so, over so, there. I love the sound effects on that game. It's just mm-hmm. really, really cool sound. I used to love that stuff. You know, yeah. that was one of the original awesome games like that. Uh, does that uh, little system you have? Did they have a game called Star Raiders? That uh, doesn't have that. Uh, it was an interesting game. game on the on the 2600 because it was. Um, um, it was like the first simulator type game where you were sitting in the cockpit of a fighter. It, yeah, uh, I played that. Yeah, it, I, uh, mean, I do. It does have a game like that, but it's not called Star Raiders. I don't remember. What, it's called Radar or something, or because it's all about it, it's all about it's hard because it's you're in the cockpit and you're flying over the ocean 
and you're having to shoot these things, but again, you're running out of fuel and you can only see them in your radar. Like, so, and it's another game where I lose my way and end up crashing into the ocean because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> this one was neat because the game actually came with another uh, controller. It came with a little, little uh, keypad that, um, you know, allows you to raise and lower shields and, and, adjust power and things like that around really on atari yeah on an atari and and uh what, what to me it was cool is because the bad guy ships looked vaguely like tie fighters and i mean you had to line them up in your uh in the crosshairs to shoot them you know, was this the one that had like a kind of a star field to it and you're you're shooting a, a, and the star field would if you were hyperspacing or whatever the star field would change Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of the keypad buttons, I think, was hyperspace, and it would, like, the stars would go by faster. Yeah. I think it was called Star Raiders or Space Raiders or something like that. I don't know that one. That does sound cool. Yeah, it was a pretty cool game. Yeah that that sucked up a lot of time <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> it's funny how some of these games you can't play for five seconds now because, like, man, this is. I remember begging my parents for Yaris Revenge. I remember going somewhere special to get it, you know, like having to go to a different town to find it. Yeah. Well, what and happened? Now I'm like, this is what is? Then you just download it. <laughs> it's probably and like a ten second at download. It like, am I playing now? What is? What am I doing? <laughs> I think this blew me away when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, a lot, lot of the, a lot of the games that came later for the Atari uh, by other third party publishers were really bad. I mean, they would, it would just be. Like that lunar lander sounds like something that might be one of those where it, it just is one thing it tr- it does it badly and you're sitting there going oh I you know your your mom said oh this was only ten dollars I got this and you look exactly at it and go, oh, well, there's a reason <laughs> this goes in a Christmas stocking yeah because you know when you get something like an Atari you can't like Pac Man was an expensive game you can't be buying Pac Mans all the time but you can't just have an Atari system and play nothing. Nintendo was the same way. When Nintendo came out first, it was like, wow, this looks just like the arcade. Until, like, those, like, low-grade vendors came along, and then all of a sudden they had, like, the Street Fighter. No, not Street Fighter, excuse me, Double Dragon. You're like, this isn't like the arcade. Oh, it's crappy. (laughs) What happened? You know, and and that's pretty typical. For the same reason, because you can't have something like that. They can't fill that void. So you can't have something like that and not get something to fill it out. Even with my PlayStation, every now and then I would just go buy some Tony Hawk game for $10 and try it. Just because I wanted to have more than one PlayStation game. I've been kind of doing that with the Xbox here lately. Buying kind of lower end games or older games really just to have some stuff to play other than, you know. I, the, I, I the may end up buying some game system soon. I'm leaning towards the Wii though more than the Xbox. Well, it depends on what you like out of your games. I and mean, if you're a, if you're a guy who's a more of a, a casual gamer and you feel the need to get up off of your couch and Both play good things. Yeah, then then uh, the Wii might be the way, to, especially with the Wii Motion Plus, uh, which is like the new way they're the new. Uh, control system, which works a lot better than the old control system that they originally came with. Um, in other words, when you actually move, it does really track your movement a lot better. Um, oh, it's like a full telemetry kind of thing. Right, right. It really is tracking um, as opposed to the original one, which did kind of 
but you know, don't look at it too closely. Um, that kind of game works. That, that kind of thing works really well for sports games. Um, if uh, you get like Wii Sports Resort uh, with the uh, like the fencing in Wii Sports Resort is a lot of fun. I don't know if you ever. Uh, I haven't played the resort version. I played the original, like the Wii Sports that comes with the game. Yeah, and that's fun too. Yeah, I like yeah. I like the boxing game on Wii. That was the oh, one that thing I tried. That was like this is awesome. And then maybe get some shooting games. But I do feel like I would feel more justified in buying it if it had a physical element to it instead of <laughs> well, <laughs> buying it, an Xbox, which just seems to encourage the opposite. Well, it does, but at the same time, you know, you don't really have to uh, move in order to bowl in Wii Bowling. You basically just have to flick the controller. Um, so, which is harder than you think. <laughs> which is harder than you think, yeah. Uh, and um, I know when I played baseball a couple of times, I uh, after I was done, my wrist hurt. And I'm like, why does my wrist hurt? Should that happen after playing a video game? I was like, because I was really swinging, really swinging hard. And, and when you're throwing, and I would snap my wrist in order to get like a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. <laughs> Okay, because I figured out it was—it's all about the uh, acceleration or the the acceleration of the motion of the controller. That you don't have to—you just have to snap the controller and it'll do a 90 mile an hour uh, fastball. So I was doing that, and then after a while, I'm like, God, my arm is killing me. I gotta sit. Well, that was was with me with bowling. To me, the the Wii bowling is just as challenging as real bowling, (laughs) because (laughs) that's that's a bold statement. Well, it, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a very good bowler anyway. But well, but I have to argue with it in one sense, though. It isn't the most challenging thing of bowling just lifting a heavy ball. No, not to That's me. That's not the I element mean, the, the, of you don't have I to. I don't know, girly that. man. Is it? <laughs> I usually go with like a six pounder. My fingers don't <laughs> a fit six in this pounder. <laughs> That's like that, a kid's ball. What's that? Is it, are you, playing, is, are you yeah, doing I'm, candle pin bowling or duck pin bowling? What is it, that? I'm sure it is a kid's You should be using know, at least like kind, 11 or 12 pounder. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you, when you're they have the inflatable things in the gutters. You know you don't play that? I, I usually pick up the one with the Hello Kitty face on it. You use, you use the pink ball, you know, don't you? When my friends and I are having ice cream parties. <laughs> no? We set the bumpers up. What? <laughs> You need to bowl like a man. No, I haven't been bowling in forever. <laughs> Six pound ball. Six pound. Do they? Do they? I guess they do for kids. Because <laughs> you would not be able to fit. You, your could, you could probably throw a six pound six ball overhanded. You could throw it like a softball. <laughs> that sounds like a double dog dare. Do it. Do it. Six pack in. You're ready. But. But the whole thing to me about bowling is controls. Like when you swing, you need to keep your wrist straight to where the ball stays in you know in the direction you're aiming and that sort of thing. That's always been really hard for me. And and uh, it's the same way with the Wii. I mean, if you don't keep your wrist and arm kind of in the right trajectory, uh, with uh, the you know the ball just goes all over the place. <laughs> So. Yeah, you have to. You have It'd be to be good flick. practice. Yeah, you do have to kind of. There's a way also of getting it to. Uh, you have to turn the wrist slightly in order to get the ball to curve. Yeah, if you wanted to try to do a hook, you know. Yeah. yeah you had like you stand out there with with the controller out straight in front of you and twist, kind of pivot your your wrist around, and you know, which is also to me also hard. <laughs> I could see that being real helpful. Yeah. I could tell you on the boxing thing, man. That was wearing me out. 
So uh, well, I was excited about that. I when I bought a game system, it, it can it came down between the Wii and the Xbox, and uh, my wife really wanted the Wii, but I was afraid that we'd play it for twenty minutes and not use it anymore. And uh, so I went ahead and got the Xbox. And uh, yeah, the Wii is definitely the the lady one. I don't want to. Well, I guess it's, it's for families, quote unquote. You know, it kind of really, has the reputation like the ones of that... being the system that's not for serious gamers. You know, it's it's the every man's game system yeah i think that's what they're pushing i think that's the the, the reputation they want i well, can yeah, tell you I'm... that i can tell you that my parents bought one so i mean <laughs> i which which i'm just thinking i'm just why they're down there in florida and they were got there you know retired and they're sitting there i'm like i'm just thinking man that must look funny for those two in there playing bowling <laughs> doing the box <laughs> do it yeah i know i can't even Sword really can't even see that no i told them what a, a good one to get is also uh Tiger Woods Golf, which is, I, I, I played that, and that that when I had a Wii, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, I know a lot of people that like that one. I don't mm. like golf games because I don't like golf. Actually, so I, I don't play golf, but I me. love golf video games. But I would love, do they have any good sword fighting? I totally, they got to have a Star Wars game or something. They do. Play I that. think it stinks. Um, oh, they really? do have a. There's the, not even a lightsaber part of it. Yeah, there is a lightsaber part, and it's not very good. I, I mean, well, yeah, there's well, one out there actually that doesn't it come with two little tiny lightsabers that you. Y- y- yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about a Wii or a a, a Wii game? Because I know yeah. that there's. Uh, I don't know. Now, now, Sean, if you're willing to hold out, there they are coming up with a uh, something called Project Natal for uh, Xbox, which is going to do. Similar That's things. their telemetry system, right? Right. The, yeah, it's like yeah, a, it'll track body motion using 3D sensors, and it'll also you can give voice commands, I think, with it as well. And that's going to be it's going to be ridiculous expensive, though. It has to be. No, they're saying. Uh, well, they're gonna. It's going to be available. Like Five ninety nine retail. <laughs> well, I don't no know big. about that. Under a hundred dollars, which if you're, you know. Um, uh, so Sound- it's going to go with the existing Xbox. It, it should work both with the existing Xbox, and they're going to package it as part of a system. And I think that's going to be out next uh, next holiday season. Um, that Jeez. might be, and supposedly there's a, there's publishers that are working on titles for it. What titles are going to be available at launch? I don't know. I'm guessing it's going to be maybe more casual, like mini game type uh, stuff. But you know. If you like, but the reason I have a 360 is uh, there's no good shooters on, on the Wii, and uh, I like, I like killing Nazis. What can I say? Killing Nazis, I do too. It seems like there <laughs> should be good shooters on the Wii too, though. There should Surprisingly, be good there are not. There are just not a lot of good shooters on the Wii. It's well, uh, one of the problems is it's the graphic, the graphic capabilities of the Wii. It's basically, um, like they, it's a basically a. Uh, hmm, uh, it's like a GameCube with with the motion sensors. So you're looking at ten year old technology, and it you can't really run a really good new state of the art 3D shooter on the Wii. It's not going to work. Hmm. Sorry. So yeah, mm-hmm. so you're selling me. Nah, well, nah, and nah, also you know, me away from another. Well, another also advantage of the 360 is that you can play on. I, mean, I think you can play online to some extent with a Wii, but but not nearly like a, a 360. I mean, they, uh, I mean, it's just a huge online community of people playing, you know, uh, 
shooters, racing games, all kinds of stuff that you can play with other people. Right. Yeah, I could see that being kind of fun, but then the online thing seemed kind of kind of difficult. When we were playing Left 4 Dead, like Andrew would come on, he's like, "Okay, you know, get that guy. You got to shoot that guy. Oh my god, get, get that guy. Get, which which guy? Are you the guy? Which guy are you?" Well, see, that's fun it's though. Like very, it was fun, but it made me, it just well, illustrated you know, how little kind of I knew about the game. Because everyone is always going to be better than me. Well, I mean, that's of course you know that's amateur playing too. I've seen you know I've been in uh, like playing Far Cry two. Uh, recently, where I mean, you got guys who play together all the time, and they work as a unit, and they communicate, and they, you know, and they will now not let you fairly efficiently just because they're working as a team. And, uh, and that's so, all they do. And that's all they do. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you get a lot of guys that they get they get one game. That's the game they play, and they mm-hmm. get really good at it, and they just they just wail on newbies. That's Halo Three is a lot like that. I got annoyed playing Halo Three because I mean I'm not a I'm not a great gamer as far as like ability anyway. But you got a yeah, job but, or something? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I got I'm married and you know just just I got so many things encroaching on my get on my gaming time. But um, uh, uh, yeah, just uh, you know you well, get in there and you just get annihilated constantly. You know by these yeah, guys. Yeah, I'll never be good at games. I I don't even like getting good at games. I don't have the patience for for that. I just like to play them. Left for Dead, I kind of like because the pacing was so was was pretty straightforward. So you could move you could move and get through the game. And they have a where boards are like the little movies, like where you play out a story. Mm-hmm. And I actually did the the last board that I got, which was horrible. I actually died. But we completed the story, so you you still get to move forward. Like so, I kind of liked that as a concept where completing the mission still still qualifies you to move on to the next board, even <laughs> though you you actually got killed. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> I don't know. That game looked a little buggy to me. When I was I liked it. There's well, there there's some drawbacks. A lot of it is fun. I thought the action and the pacing was fun. I like the kind of zombies and the way that they put the boards together. The, the The big thing I don't like about it is is really just that I want a zombie game that is as robust as Grand Theft Auto. I want, want that engine. You want open world zombie killing. Yes, thank you. That is exactly <laughs> it. I want that that freedom of motion where you can wander around, but I want that world to be overrun. Because a, a zombie game with a with a story like that sort of takes away from the concept that that you really want a zombie game for. You want that that free motion. Zombie land because the game. Yeah, where there's not a plot. It's just everywhere you go, there's zombies. Like that's what that's. I mean, you could create missions and stuff where you can go do things, but really. You wouldn't have to have missions if that were the thing, because there is no way to win a zombie game anyway. Well, you know? the people who design Far Cry just, ought to do that, because that's kind of the way Far Cry Two is set up. It's a it's a completely open world where you're just moving around, and you get missions from from just people in in the it, game. Is that uh, the one where you have malaria part of the time? Yes, and that's annoying. And you get and you get but, sick. At, yeah, at the most like, inopportune like every moments. third or fourth mission, you have to is a is a medicine run. You have to go get uh, some more. 
medicine to control your malaria. Yeah, that's the only thing that kept me from getting that. It's like, I don't know if I really need to... I wasn't sure if malaria, getting malaria, was going to be a lot of fun. And I think I also heard that that was the one where um, I think where the, your weapons degrade yes. because of the because of the uh, I guess it's so hot or you know if you're if they get in water or well it's like a you know you're in like a Central Africa failed state kind of thing and okay and you uh, uh, you start out you know if if you do it right you know you set your missions up to to be you start your missions close to a gun shop where you can buy brand new weapons. But if you stay out in the field too long and using those weapons, they start getting rusty and they start getting where they jam and, and that type of thing. And also if for some reason or another you lose those weapons and you just pick one up off the ground, that's usually a piece of crap. You know, it'll shoot five <laughs> times and then jam. You there know, should be, kind of cool, there should be a, yeah. a, there should be a field cleaning mini game. <laughs> you can you buy a cleaning kit and can actually field strip your gun or i mean just a, that actually should be a skill that you could develop in a game like that because that's like grand theft auto and san andreas where you could actually you know when the races were if they were kicking your ass then you'd have to actually go out and develop your driving skill and there's actually a point where by the time you get to san fierro where there's a driving school where they're like you know you can't just wreck a car every time you pull out of the house you gotta learn how to drive, CJ. Because there are missions where you have to keep your cover, and you know you can't go, you can't go running into people, or running over people, or it blows the mission. I'm a but that's a skill, and the driving is smoother when you develop a better driving skill. Talking about driving, I, I'm actually a huge racer on on uh, on Xbox. I play like Forza, this new Forza game that come out, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And my favorite, my like dream game would be a totally boring game to everybody but me. But what I would just like to have a game that would allow you to take a high performance car to some of the best known driving roads in the world, like like in Europe and, and places like that, and just drive. Like the Autobahn, like yeah, yeah. like a super, like a hyper realistic looking game where you're basically just driving around all kinds of cool countryside, and but but also just like the 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 road itself is challenging. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there could be things like you know dealing with the cops and things like that, but but not like a controlled race um, all the time. Uh, there is one game like that that I have called Test Drive Unlimited, which is pretty cool. It's uh, it's set in Hawaii. I, I guess they feel like they have to find a, like a self-contained area so they can, you know, program things. Uh, so you're like cruising around um, Oahu, um, you know, in nice cars and things like that. And that, um, you know, it's a pretty cool game, but it's just limited, you know, to where you're you're just kind of driving around the island and the island's not particularly interesting driving you know uh material so <laughs> sounds awesome <laughs> it's it is pretty cool i mean it's an open yeah, type of thing be, uh, i think when the graphics and then the, and the processing gets to the point where they can start simulating whole landscapes of real places that kind of thing would be more well, would be well more this game popular. is pretty close because um I was in Hawaii last December and I bought this game afterwards and I was able to drive to my hotel in the game, which I thought That's was kind of cool. cool. You know, so you could see the, you could see the building. It, it, it wasn't a hotel in the game, but you know, you could see the, you could pull up to the building. That was my hotel. 
There's a there's are going to start Google Earthing where you can actually drive to your house. Well, yeah, see, like that would be awesome now if you could get it to if you could get a game like that talking to Google Earth. That would be pretty cool. Well, I, I do know that, that I do know that uh, Assassin's Creed Two. Um, they did a really tremendous job doing historical research for uh, 15th century Florence and a couple of the other Italian uh, city states, and they the the majority of the game takes place in 15th century Florence. And they mapped it to the point where if you wanted to look at modern Florence, you can actually Google map locations in modern Florence to what was going on, what's going on in uh, the Assassin's Creed game. And they, they're a one-to-one ratio. I mean, the, the, you know, this domo is exactly the same spot that it is now. I mean, they did a, a tremendous job. It's like taking a little mini vacation to 15th century Florence and, and hanging <laughs> See, out. See, that would be cool. So that's awesome. Uh, that, yeah, that I also like that, that that has a sort of almost educational aspect. Not there really. Is, but. Well, yeah, not not really, although you do get a kind of a feel of what life was like in a very rudimentary way. I mean, but you're, you're playing a game. It's not like a, you're not learning a whole lot, but you are playing a mm-hmm. game set in there, and they do a, I would say, a pretty good job of keeping keeping the characters uh and the uh, events and the plot and people's motivations in the storyline they they're keeping it historically accurate they do uh, that that's a game where the gameplay is a lot of fun and it's historically accurate and you know if you're going to get you're going to get both in a game that's pretty good and it looks awesome i like that as an educational aspect because you know, anything that's intended to be educational is never entertaining. So it defies purpose since no one's going to use it anyway. So I think that's incidental learning is really helpful in in entertainment, you know. You might as well at least have the backdrop be be somewhat accurate. Well, what, at any point, what you can do is you can click on a person uh, or you can go to the map and uh, it'll, you can just click on a guy and it'll give you a little rundown of this person's historical significance and now some people don't have any and they'll just say well this person is just no nobody knows anything about this person but other people like you meet for example leonardo da vinci and it does a a thing about him and you um one of the other things that you can do is as you go through the game you uh you get your own palazzo and you can add pieces of art you can buy pieces of art that were currently available at that time that are we still have and you can put them in your in your palazzo and it's all real art pieces and they look great in the game and you can click on it and you can look at the art that you've collected over the course of the game which that's is kind of neat pretty tremendous yeah wow well that's cool Whoa. <laughs> you can go play well i mean it's just amazing how, i mean i guess i guess what we're trying to say here it's amazing how far we've come in 20 years time you know just from 30 years you know, like yeah, I guess thirty years time uh, from uh, you know from just you know a couple of blocks you know with another block bouncing between them and you know to where we're you know we're we're to some extent existing in a virtual world. It's uh, well, eventually I think it's all going to kind of melt to a degree. I mean, games games will still be games, but the really like you can still play a casual game like. Oh, I don't know, uh, Plants vs. Zombies or um, uh, Puzzle Quest or Peggle, and that's still always going to be a game. But if you get, but but 
the big A1 titles, I think, are going to get more realistic and more uh, involved, and hopefully the storylines become more impressive instead of just shoot those things over there um, to the point where, uh, while they're not movies per se, they will, be, they will have a more interactive uh, storyline feel. Um, I think there's a movie, co- a movie, there's a game coming out next year called Heavy Rain, which is supposed to put an emphasis on uh, storyline. Um, I don't, it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's a French developer, I don't know who it is, but there, but that, a lot of people have been talking about that, that game as being maybe the next step in what, what video gaming is going to be, or, or not. <laughs> I mean, what, what makes it special? Uh, well, it, it, it's, supposedly it's very, very hyper-realistic looking, and there's no, and it's sort of a... It's sort of set. It's set as like it's a murder mystery, uh, where you are uh, one of the you are the guy who's sort of. I don't know enough about it to say, but the, you know enough. Um, it's a murder mystery. It takes place in in a city. The city you you can interact with other people in the city. Um, you have like a regular life outside of the um, the case. And you have to deal with that as well. Uh, so it's got like a lot of aspects of just your normal person, and then you're also involved in a murder mystery. I like that aspect of it too. That's another thing I liked in Grand Theft Auto, where you just have to, you you'd have to go to the gym and work out, or you lose your muscle mass and all this. Stuff. <laughs> like if you didn't go to the gym enough, you'd start wasting away, and people would say something about it when they saw you. <laughs> you know? Like I like the the idea that they create the world that's so rich that potentially you could go do things in the game that have nothing to do with the game. Even to the point where they they go into bars and the bars have old style arcade games and you can play these games inside the game. Yeah, mini game. I think the future of video games is going to be where the integration in that digital world it, it's going to start bringing together like you know we were talking about you can link into google earth to to play a game like you can once they get all these resources out there that that, that become shared you know your this stuff may link together your your digital your different digital presences and in, in, in locations and in, in <clears throat> locales that that we frequent online in a way where the game is like, you know, this whole second life stuff that they do right now, you know, is all just kind of rudimentary and weird. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's on its way to being that where not an alternative, but it's going to be like a supplemental like it is now in in early stages, but it it will be where you can just have this whole other world. Yeah. And you, and uh, I think games are kind of an aspect of life that, we may not know we're playing games or we may not think of them as being video games, but we're still playing them. I mean, how many people are sitting down at Facebook and playing Farmville or uh, Mafia Wars? Yeah. Yeah. Or just, you know, I'm at work or people at work on their break or playing like casual, like a casual game like uh, uh, Peggle or, uh, you know, just Solitaire. I mean, they're still playing games. And, uh, so I think it'll just it's it's sort of become kind of a natural it's kind of integrated itself into the point where it's part of people's lives maybe not to a great extent 
Um, but it is part of people's lives. And it's linking parts of their lives that were not necessarily linked. I think online, you know, it, it linking everything together is sort of what the internet is all about. You know, you're just hyperlinking from one thing to another and even people link to each other's websites. But And that's what social networking is, which is just people wanting to link together in a common digital piazza. But, uh, but what, if you notice now, like, every, you go to YouTube, and YouTube's like, well, if you want to download the Facebook plugin, then everything you put on YouTube is going to plug right into Facebook, you know? And then that's when I upgraded to the new fancy version of Skype, like, and you get Google Chrome for free, and then everything, like, <laughs> Skype is part of the basic package of the Chrome OS now, you know? And like so they're really working to sort of take these little separate things that you do online and integrate them all with each other. And I think yeah. that that's sort of the the future of the internet in, in general, but I think gaming is going to play a role in that also because that's another aspect. That's another thing that used to be just self-contained that is an online part of what we do. Where we do it with other people, we do it on the internet. It's part of of what we are. I mean, Facebook having little silly games is just showing how they understand that need. The technology just isn't there to really bring it to people like they want. Right. I think at some point there's going to be. I mean, maybe not this generation, but the next generation of of consoles will probably be maybe web based or web browser based. Sure, like where, Chrome. Where yeah, where everything is the you'll have you'll have a hardware setup, but most of the like your software will all be bought online. Uh, a lot of the uh, like you won't you'll have like a like a, maybe your mm -hmm. save files on the yeah, system. Yeah, no, Brooks doesn't like that, but think about it. It's going to save them. It's going to be an easy way for them to avoid piracy, where you buy right. the use I mean, of the license, and, but you never actually have it physically installed on anything. You think it'll probably right, get to where we all kind of have a uniform set of equipment in our house, you know, kind of like a, uh, you know, like our like our televisions. I'll, I'll have a minimum capability uh, to the to handle the graphics and sound and that type of thing. Sure. Uh, and with cloud computing, the minimal capability is not going to be that big a requirement because most of the processing is going to be done externally. Yeah. It's not going to have to be done on your equipment at home. And the nice thing is the amount of time it'll, it's going to save developers because they won't have to develop software for four or five different incompatible systems and then try to port them to the other system that they, you know, and so it becomes it becomes cost effective for the mm -hmm. publishers and they end up making well, that's, a whole lot yeah, that's more the money. I know the it's that way for us at work. If we have a web-based application, they have their own problems, but it is a lot easier as far as universalizing. You can have a web-based application and make it available to people at home. Whereas if it's a client-side application, then, you know, you just have to maintain everybody's computer in the, in the network. But web-based, they just got to be able to get to the web, and that's where that's where everything's. I see gaming moving that way, and when that happens, you know, you're going to see a stronger marriage of of your gaming preferences and all your other online activities. And then that well, so may I, be where it gets interesting to me. To me, the video games are role-playing without the role-playing. Like, there's no personality to it, because I don't see how you're going to do a video game that's a murder mystery where it's impossible for you to actually figure anything out because you don't speak. You're just going to be bumbling around until you stumble into clues. And, I mean, I'm sure that it, 
there will be clues and the better you are at following them. But at some point, they're still leading you around. You're not going to be able to interact that much in a murder mystery because you can't ask anybody any questions. There's a limit to the level of creativity that you can have in that scenario. Well, and that's, yeah, you're right. And I guess that's, um, I guess could, could probably be construed just two different types of, of, of gaming, uh, because, yeah, I mean, you're going to want those games sometimes that, that tell the stories. Like, you couldn't really tell a story with a game that's just completely open. Uh, like to where, you, I mean, you got a dead guy here. <laughs> and you got, I guess, I mean, I guess you could, but it would be very, very loose. And, you know, you had to be difficult leave, to moderate. Very difficult to moderate. Whereas, you know, like a murder mystery that is more of like a, a role playing type scenario where, yes, there are built in clues you have to find. And that type of thing. I mean, it's, yeah, you're not as, you don't have the individuality that you would want, but you, you need to, you need something guiding you mm -hmm. along the way. Well, it's a threaded story. Yeah. A leads to B leads to C leads to D, yeah. you know, there's the, it's, which follows more of a movie style, uh, uh, plot. Whereas, uh, I think with the open world stuff that you're talking about is more of, Here's the world. Do stuff. Yeah, and, and we, which is a different, which is fun idea in its entirely. own way, but not yeah. you know, but but different. I don't know. I think I see people gravitate. The reason people don't gravitate to it more, I think, is because the technology is not there. I really am fascinated by stuff like EverQuest, and and that's old hat now, but it's you know, world. World of Warcraft is world the Warcraft. the big one, you know. And people love that, but to me, it's like you know. It's getting closer because you can wander around online and people can have headsets and you can actually speak on these games. That becomes more interesting. But really, you know, once they get to the point where they create a digital world that you can move around in, you could still have murder mysteries and things like that happen. But the goal, what I find interesting about that is creating this sort of world where the game writes itself because it's, there are no non-player characters left in it. It's all people with their own intrigues, doing their own things, just like life, but it's in a fantasy kind of setting, so it's much more interesting. Like, it's, it's much, lends itself to a, a, an adventure. Because everybody's pretending to be an elf king or a crime boss or some a pirate or some crap. Everybody's a Jedi. Oh, no, dark Jedi. <laughs> I'm a dark Jedi. We used to play the Star Wars, so there was always that nerd. The one that wanted to be the, the barbarian when you're playing D&D, &D, but he wanted to be a dark Jedi. So it can't be dark Jedis. It's in the rule book. And plus it's lame. <laughs> there, there is a new, uh, they're supposedly in the, within the next year or so coming out with a new Star Wars online, uh, I guess, massive multiplayer online role-playing oh, yeah, like game the, is coming the out. Star Wars Galaxy kind of. Thing. Yeah, but better, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> See, they need to get on this Pandora thing. All these people are, are depressed because they can't go to Pandora. James Cameron, you got the graphics, man. Pandora full-on exists. What are you talking about? Half a billion dollars building it. They, so make, should, you need to should. take them graphics and make yourself... I saw an ad for the Avatar video game, and I've never been madder. Why is that? I was watching this this commercial, and the graphics look terrible. This like this this big trailer for this video game is like, are you guys serious? You invented another 
another crappy movie tie-in game. Yeah, it was I what they know, don't, but they you don't really put a whole all lot this of... technology for the gra- to just for graphics. If you wanted, I, I all that time and energy spent on that, like why not? If these people are, are I mean, if there's a depression hotline, there's like a suicide hotline for people who saw Avatar because they wish they lived on, you know, the blue people planet. Then make the blue people planet game. <laughs> the technology's there. There's not a suicide hotline for that, is there? I don't know if it's a suicide hotline, but apparently they're depressed. They should build for those people. They should build a a, a theme park like they're building uh, down in Universal Studios for the uh, Harry Potter world. But the Harry Potter mm. world's going to be easier to build because it's just a little British nook. <laughs> like it's all just a a, a British nook. How <laughs> reductive. But yeah. <laughs> But I mean, the world of Harry Potter is is also interesting just for special effects. But you know, and I could see it's going to be a fun little place to walk through because, and think of, for the from a, just from the perspective of commerce, you know, the biggest set piece in Harry Potter besides Hogwarts is a bazaar. It's a place for shops, so don't think. I mean, they're going to go to this place where they're going to have like Hogwarts with all these little rides and things. Yeah, I, and then uh, you're going to go checked. through Di- Diagon Alley, and you're going to be paying forty dollars for a T-shirt everywhere you go. Yeah, that's, I think that's exactly yeah. the design. That they're and jelly beans checked, that taste yeah, like vomit. Yeah, I checked this out, and there's something like I think uh, there's maybe four actual. I think there's like three rides, and uh, it's yeah, it's mostly shops, like you know. Uh, was it Zonko's Joke Shop and uh, yeah, the older like brothers the, who have like the I'm sure they'll have like a big uh, magic shop or whatever that those kids right. have. It's brilliant. And for it's, nominal, it's brilliant. For nominal fee, you can uh, uh, was it uh, send your owl, uh, send an owl stationary to anywhere in the in the country <laughs> with uh, with the Hogsmeade stationary on it. And you can make your get your own a wand. Like supposedly, you'll be able to go into the Ollivander's wand shop, and the oh, wand will pick you out. <laughs> so you'll actually get your own wand. That's they're supposed to be doing that. It's <laughs> awesome. So we sell them any piece of crap we want. <laughs> just just because a talking hat said so. Gryffindor. Well, it's, you know, it's awesome. The world of Harry Potter lends itself to an amusement park, I, but yeah, I don't see how you could build anything. That's why I think they should go with some kind of online something because I really think you could create some kind of simulation online that people – I mean, it was a beautiful world. I mean, they, well, I could see people liking it. The, the, the sequel has been has been green-lighted, so I imagine that there's probably – What the hell is in the sequel? I don't know, but apparently they're, they're going to do it. They're going to do a Star Trek sequel as well, but that I think – Well, I, I mean, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, but uh, – um, but yeah, they're gonna, apparently going to do it. So I, yeah, I imagine that we'll probably be seeing you know theme park areas and that sort of thing. You know, Pandora. Well, the themed. sequel may try to build towards that because I don't even see where they built much of a franchise in this first film. Uh, which is no dolls cool. or anything. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it, that does seem like you know would be a given that that somebody would create a virtual world based on Pandora. As a matter of fact, I dare say in Second Life, somebody's probably trying to do it. Have y'all ever spent any time on Second Life? Uh, I don't do that kind of stuff. No, sorry. <laughs> well, I, I played The Sims for a while. I felt like I, you know, it, well, I won't get into that. But well, uh, I, you know, I really was not interested in it either. Um, they look completely. But boring. as it turns out, you know, 
my my school where I work was talking about using it as a marketing tool, so I had to go ex- kind of explore it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, what I like about The Sims and Second Life is how they give you the opportunity to completely intensify all the boring aspects of your own life, and it strips out all the well, interesting parts. Well, the thing I didn't like about The Sims... And it's like, can I fight somebody? No. Can Can I have sex? No. <laughs> Can I, do we even really talk? No, you just kind of do weird mumbling things. Like, yeah, only can, in The Sims does it take it you five hours to make a meatloaf. You know. You can tell. And, and another ten hours. You can to tell throw people that you learn how to play guitar, <laughs> but you can't play guitar in the game. You can carry a guitar. If it takes you two hours to go to the bathroom, you've got a problem. But it, you do that in sec in the in the, the Sims. I never. It was like I could just never get into just the constant maintenance of my stupid Sim. <laughs> what? You got to pee again? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Cranky and miserable the whole time. And then the and then the and then the kitchen would catch on fire for no damn reason. <laughs> Like seriously, Don't what the hell? Don't delete you, all right? <laughs> oh, that's too fun. Of course, the best thing to do is if you if you you build a pool and you put them in it, and then you don't find it, and there's no way to get out, and then you just drown them. <laughs> okay, well, I think we've got some more ground to cover on this. Which yes. Is what I typically say when I feel a two-parter coming on. <laughs> We feel two-parters coming on a lot these days, which is fine. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad. Show. Yeah, I need to. It gives us some buffers on on editing. I like the two-parters, <laughs> and especially when we have special guest stars, it's fun. <laughs> so, thank you, David, for for being with us tonight. Glad to be here. And we will be back next week. In the meantime, you can see, you can listen to episodes on TV8MyDinner.com. You can. Speak to us uh, on our forum at forum.tv8mydinner.com. And that's pretty much it. We need to have a three-parter when we, you know, and we take on the Russians in the third part. Yeah, we need to do like a trilogy episode. That'll be a goal. Which means, <laughs> yeah, who knows, maybe we should just come back <laughs> and do a part three to one of our existing two-parters. We'll fight Mr. T in this one. Somewhere there's an epic battle scene. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. I could just throw a bunch of sound effects together. <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> what we should do in the spirit of, of modern trilogies, we should just take one of our one-parters and do a back-to-back two-parter to add to it and call it a trilogy. Make them both at the same time. Isn't that how? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how. That's how trilogies are made these days. But until then, thank you. Thank you for listening. Good night. This has been TV8 My Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com. Dog Crazy.com.